as somebody who recently got high on a plane, I feel uh, unbelievably qualified to talk about this. Well, uh, all right, talking well, about dogs dying on planes, but also smoking. <laughs> it was a mint. All right, welcome to episode three of Running Things Considered. It's the podcast where we are not afraid to answer any of your running questions. Uh, no question is off limits, uh, whether it's a would you rather, a hypothetical situation. If you're just looking for advice, I think this episode, um, uh, we got a couple text messages sent to us where the, uh, people are looking for genuine advice. And I'm excited to hear what kind of advice you guys are going to give as our panel of experts. Once again, I'm joined by Tom's Hank, Ryan Sterner, and Nicole Bush back for a second episode. So I think that makes her the regular and not Stephen Kirsch. Um, Stephen is not on the show this week, but Suck Nicole it, is. No, I think, yeah. is she still ahead? Yeah, two to one. Okay, yeah. There's no podcast hosting gap. After five, do I get a jacket? Yeah. <laughs> You get a members-only yes. jacket. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll kick it right off. We're going to hop right into the off-the-board segment. Um, so this week, we came across an article. We don't know. Actually, I don't even know if it's serious or not. It, it's from Unilad. Uh, the headline is, Runners are using weed to make long runs less miserable. And it has a couple stock image photos, so that's great. I, I don't know how reliable it is. They say that running is good for health and an affordable form of exercise. It's no wonder why millions jog. And then it goes on. 28-year-old Carolyn Ford, whose name has been changed for anonymity, is a public relations professional living in New York City. She began training for her first ever 100-mile ultramarathon, in, which involved several you know, four- to five-hour training sessions. And she thought it would make her training – uh, more bearable if she decided to, so she started to uh, smoke some cannabis and uh, she says it helped her calm her nerves and gave her an appetite, which needed to help her fuel up during the run. So uh, we'll link to the article in the show notes. I'm reading the article right now or just kind of looking through it. And Oh, someone came she's, prepared. She's used. Yeah. Sorry for reading the source material before we got started. Um, you chose a really intense way to go about ingesting the weed, like a gravity bong. I don't think I've seen anybody use one of those since like freshman year of college when kids were making them out of like two liters of Mountain Dew and ripping gravity bong hits in, in their dorm room. So some, some PR professional is like, I don't know. I just imagine her. Yeah. Getting high, like a 19 year old college frat boy and then going on jogging for a while. What is, a, what is a PR professional, though, in 2018? Uh, she probably tweets a bunch yeah. for like Walmart. <laughs> She's a brand manager for a, um, like a cupcake shop that her friend owns. Yeah, and or she's like a medical marijuana store, like a boutique yeah. medical marijuana store. <laughs> I don't want to like shit on her, but she is probably making like $80,000 a year. Where is she training for this? You make it seem like that's bad, but I, I, that sounds good. Where is she training for this ultra marathon in New York City? I'm assuming that's possible, but I don't understand. I think she just runs to the top of the Empire State Building <laughs> a couple of times, just over, just reps of the Empire State. Do you, you think see a lot of weird shit in Central Park? 
but someone ripping gravity bong hits and then all of a sudden i actually like do they just you know store it in the bushes and then pop back out and then like i i've never seen anything like that you live um, in new york and you didn't know this <laughs> there's gravity bongs in the bushes everywhere in new york <laughs> it's a thing i was unaware um so uh, maybe i'll keep an eye out you uh, gotta for climb some more bushes buddy <laughs> Perfect transition. Speaking of Bush, Nicole, what do you think about this? <laughs> that feels like a loaded question. Um, I'm I'm actually trying to like put it through some of the search engines to find out if this is real or not, but I can't find Wait, it. <laughs> why are we doubting whether or not it's real? People get high when they run. That's definitely I mean, I know real. No, you know people who do this. I don't know people who do this. Well, because you're probably friends with professionals. Yeah. I know a lot of degenerates. <laughs> Do you think that this is another thing that's like they were inspired by the Breaking 2 project and that they would do bong rips, but they're doing gravity bong hits because, like, <laughs> go big they or go do home? something great. Yeah. yeah. I'm on board with that. Um, I also like at least the title of the article that I'm reading. It said uh, runners are using weed, which I always think is a pretty funny way of describing how to how to... I don't know. I feel like, well, because oh, ultimately, in the end, go do some pot. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> in the end, the weed ends up using you. Yeah, exactly. Not you even once. Not even once. Um, I feel compelled to make a statement, though, because I mean, can we be pro drug? Are we pro drug on on Sidious Meg? Can we be like, yeah, I endorse this, or is that Which like bad for the sponsors? Which drug? Uh, PCP. Okay, <laughs> let me think. Because the problem is, is that we're going to need sponsors. Mm -hmm. And so let's say that like a pharmaceutical company comes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't, if we want to market Oxycontin, we can't endorse pot. Yeah, that's the problem. Um, and I'm just like, I'm worried about long-term deals with sponsors. Um, this is really tough. Uh, we're almost backed into a corner here, but... I don't think we need I a have PR professional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got one in the store. <laughs> I'm just glad that this woman was brave enough to write about running and pot. Like something that no one feels brave enough to talk about in the running community, you know, is just weed. That's why a lot of people made such a big deal of, you know, the Chris Barnacle after he <laughs> ran uh, at the trials. I mean, it was someone who had qualified a couple years ago, hit the standard, and just decided to get, you know, out of shape, smoke a ton of weed, have a bunch of fun, and then, <laughs> and then he now he's just kind of like the weed runner. Uh, so, do you, like, do you honestly just knowing what you know about him and I guess the performance is it impressive? Like, how did you guys feel about that whole thing? Uh, Chris Barnacle. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't, I, I, it's not it, as detrimental as a lot of the neurotic runners want to make it out to be. Um, but that's just my opinion. I don't know. I mean, the, the two other people that are on the podcast are far more accomplished than I. So, I mean, you guys can probably speak on it a little bit better. Um, I don't think it's that big of a deal that he was high while he ran at the trials. I think it's just one of those things where it's like, out of place. Uh, 
like I don't know if you're in if you're in like a really serious situation like you don't like pull out a sandwich and start eating it um sort of thing and it's like I think it just went against people's expectations of what you do as an athlete professionally but like in reality there's probably way more uh athletes smoking weed than we would think but also too like he wasn't going into it trying to make the team or run fast or anything at all. Like, hadn't he not run in a year or something? Uh, yeah, I think that's true. And actually, just recently I heard that he was trying to break four this past indoor season while becoming, I guess, like the first, like, I guess, weed runner to break four. Break four in what? The mile. Okay, no, that makes sense. <laughs> I thought, well, we were talking about marathons. I was like, why is he trying to do it indoors? <laughs> and four hours is not that fast. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, wait. I clicked on, like, I realized that they're quoting this article from another one. But then it links. It has a link. I'm pretty sure it's not loading fast enough. Back to the original article? To the original one, but then it's like, athletes are opening up about their relationships with weed. This is nothing new, of course. Yeah, I think that, like, this. I think the article... Like, at the end of the day, um, people have been doing this for a really long time. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm sure this woman just, like, was at a run group and met one person that's a millennial um, that smokes weed before their long runs. And um, She's a millennial. She's 28 years old. Yeah. But it's kind of like how most articles about millennials are written. Like, the author just knows, like, one or two and then makes a generalization about all people between the age of like 18 and 37. Uh, so it's not a big deal. It's a weird article. Yeah. yeah. The recommended articles on the side of this are young people are given free interrail passes to travel to Europe. Uh, Mia Khalifa answers one sex question. Everyone wants to know Mia Khalifa's latest photo has annoyed a lot of people and size 20 teenager drops 10 stone in incredible transformation. So I'm a little skeptical about this website. Who's Mia Khalifa? Uh, you can look her up. <laughs> okay. Let's see here. <laughs> a live reaction to who is at Mia Khalifa. Right. Uh, oh, she's a Pornhub oh. legend. <laughs> huh. Is that like, you know how Disney does the Disney legends? And like they put, put them the, in the vault. Yeah, they like put the plaques up at Disney headquarters. Do you think they do that at Pornhub headquarters? <laughs> they seem like a pretty progressive company. I imagine. <laughs> I just, this, so the, this other, the article that this article is just written based on uh, is I've <laughs> talking about. He urges anyone inclined to try it themselves. However, to keep the dosages small at first, stressing that it's easy to overdo it. I've taken too much, and I've sat on the couch for hours, he said. That's torture for me. <laughs> He's just like, uh, didn't do the long run that day. Yeah. <laughs> the, best part's when you, the best part's when you don't smoke a bunch of weed and forget to do your long run. <laughs> it just gets to that point where it's like 5.30 on a Sunday, and you're like, nope, not happening. All right. How about some voicemails? Hey, Katie, it's Mag. This is Alex from Indiana. Love the new podcast. So a while ago, Dumbo Tracks voted the question: If you could fight one hundred horse-sized ducks 
or um, one duck-sized horse, uh, which would it be? Um, so I was wondering your take on that. Personally, I would. I think I'd take the duck-sized horse. Um, I don't think it could do much, honestly. Um, but I could definitely, the, because the horse-sized ducks, I feel like they just overwhelm you because that's a lot of kicks this year and you'd probably get. Um, love to see your input. Thanks. Right, 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 right. Cool. Um, I hate this question. I think it's the least original thing that exists in 2018. Well, it came from Reddit, which means it came from somewhere else. So, yeah, you're right. It's not very original. It's like a bar icebreaker. So I guess, like, we'll just do it really quick. I mean, what do you think? Which one do you prefer? Like like a pickup line? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, uh, I don't know, you're bored and you just kind of, like, hit people with would-you-rathers and stuff. There's some vulgar ones that I've heard, but, like, uh, this is, like, this is, like, a vulgar would-you-rathers in my life. This is like a PG, this is a PG thirteen one. No, this is punching a PG animals one. in the face is pretty vulgar. <laughs> uh, These animals are freaks. They deserve I, it. I would rather see a horse-sized duck. Oh, I don't know. Nah. I think you're gonna die no matter what. So it's kind of what yeah, do you want I, that I, last thing to be? Yeah, I think Just something could, quacking really loud. I think you could probably. Stop. I'm going to fall victim to this question and get really into it. Go for it. I think it's easier. The question is, which one would you rather fight, right? It's you, stomping on a hundred little horses. That's what you do. You don't have to Ducks kick. Ducks are kind of big. Well, it depends on the duck. My I went to this hotel version. one time in, um, in uh, Memphis that had, uh, it was one of those really fancy hotels, um, but we just swung through because we read that in the lobby they have a free duck parade. And so I was with, uh, I was with a friend of the mag, Paul Snyder, and um, we, you know, we were just hanging out in Memphis. And we're like, well, let's go. Let's, let's check this out. This could be a lot of fun. So we get there, and it really is. They just have, the hotel has like five ducks that they keep as pets. And the lobby was packed. It was like standing room only. There were like kids on their parents' shoulders trying to gawk at these things. And they just parade five ducks down this little red carpet in the middle of the lobby. And everybody goes nuts for it. But I'm thinking, those ducks weren't that big. And so if there was a horse that size, I mean, I could walk right out into the middle of that crowd and I could stomp the hell out of that thing. So... I've got experience with ducks up close. They're not that big. They're not that intimidating. If you take away its ability to peck you with a beak and instead you replace it with a little tiny miniature hoof, I think it makes it far less intimidating. So all you really have to do is pretend like you're smashing grapes in one of those tubs at a vineyard and just stomp them until they're gone. So the only logical answer in my mind is 100 duck-sized horses. I'm going to take the opposite stance here. I think I agree with Nicole there, where I want to see this horse-sized duck, and I want to fight him. But also, too, I think that we kind of look at each other and sort of, like, have that moment where I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, and we both kind of understand each other. No, no, no. It definitely has, like, dead eyes. And it looks no, like, you know, no, he looks at me and he goes, wait a minute. 
I've thought of you as my enemy, but you're my brother. And so then, like, he wins anyways. But, like, then later on, I fight him again, and I win. And then later on, I fight Mr. T, but the duck horse is my friend now. And then the I'm duck horse sides. fights a Russian guy. Thank you, Nicole. Thank and you, the, Nicole. The Russian, guy, the Russian guy kills the horse-sized duck. And then I have to avenge the horse-sized duck Are you describing by killing the, the Russian guy. The Revenant? Sort and of. And then you live inside the horse-sized duck. And then, and then after that, I just like teach a kid how to be a street fighter. Yeah, I think I'm going to go uh, horse-sized duck. Move on to the next uh, voicemail. This listener is uh, pretty fired up about uh, U.S. Marathon times. So, um, yeah, he lets out a couple uh, curse words. So, I mean, we'll just stay. We've already made it clear we are an explicit podcast. So, here we go. Thank you, Chris. Colt Goucher, plug your ears. I'm looking into a pretty serious question here, and it's why the hell... Does anyone make a big deal out of U.S. marathoners running two fucking 12, two 12 point, three, three, two 14, whatever Andrew Bumble over on? Why does people know that? You could throw a freaking rock and hit any top tier U.S. runner, and they'll, they'll be like, ooh, marathon, big debut, 20 mile run. I'm in amazing shape. I drink Martin, and then they run 212. So why, why is it that? Frank Shorter about his 4%, his special carb drink, or whatever can run that. And then 20 years, 40 years down the line, it's the same shit. So I want to know why people make a big deal out of a 212 marathon. There you have it. It's our first angered caller. Uh, <laughs> looking for a little bit of advice. And uh, just I guess maybe you guys can cool his temper a little bit. He also sounded a little bit uh, out of breath. Yeah, he's complaining he about just, people he just running ran a two twelve marathon. Yeah, he's saying people run two twelve and he can't even make it through a minute long question. Well, have you ever been really worked up? I don't think I've ever been worked up enough to threaten to throw a rock at Andrew Bumbleo. <laughs> Why was he the only one that was specifically called out? We got to go back and look at like <laughs> pictures of Andrew Bumbleo in high school and see if he stole someone's girlfriend. He has a point uh, to a certain extent that. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, like, 212 isn't very fast um, compared to, like, elite runners, which is a very small subset of the population. But also, this is America, which has, like, almost 400 million people and maybe, like, less than a percent. I don't know numbers. Less than a percent can actually run that fast. Like, way less than a percent. So that's kind of a big deal, right? Depending on how old this list is that I'm looking at, really no one has run that fast in a long time. Like, not that many people. This list is from 2015. Americans? This is top 25 all-time U.S. men marathon times. It's, it's competitor. Well, how many? Yeah, well, I guess that, that's a good point. How many people have gone under 210? Meb went 208 in 2014. Galen went 209 this year. And that's, I think those are the two guys who have gone under 210 in the past uh, handful of years. Yeah. Before that, 
Dathan ran, Dathan ran 207 in 2012. In okay. Chicago, right? And then yeah. uh, Abdi. 2006. Yeah. Yeah, Abdi's PR is 12 years old. I guess what, what? we're saying no. is that... Um, Everything is like the 80s or the 70s after that. Like, yeah. 90s. American distance running did kind of suck in the 90s. Uh, in early 2000s. No, like, on the men's side, uh, at least, the, the women still ran well, but, like, until Ryan Hall, uh, well, and Meb, Meb before Ryan Hall, but, like, d- marathoning wasn't really that great on the men's side. Uh, I, maybe, I don't know if this is, I don't have enough evidence for this, but I, I feel like, in my, from what I've seen, maybe maybe it's just that marathoning has kind of in the last 10 or 15 years started to come back in vogue. I don't know. It seems like people are now are a little bit more willing to, to live a life on the roads or kind of convert to the roads a little bit earlier. Um, well, if Steven's doing it, you know, it's in vogue. Yeah. Oof. Um, so, I mean, so maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's part of the, the thing is that, uh, you know, maybe the next five, 10 years, we'll see time starting to drop, but, um, do you think does, the listener is a little triggered by the fact that uh, Andrew Buffalo stole his girlfriend? Probably, yeah. No, that all these Japanese runners are going crazy, are, are are running crazy fast times, and we're seeing you know them pop off, you know, two sub two tens like that, and now all of a sudden it's like, and we're celebrating, you know, some two twelves. I, I think two twelve is, is is solid. Well, that's the thing. Two twelve is fast, like. Th- 212 is very good, I think. Like, if you told me that you ran a 212 marathon, I'd be like, well, fuck, that took a lot of goddamn work. Um, obviously, it's not terribly competitive at the world stage. Um, but I don't think we should be knocking anybody for running 212. It's okay to be happy about someone doing something good. Well, what are we going to talk about if <laughs> barely anyone's run that fast yeah. in a long time? <laughs> yeah, that's also that's also very true. Like... If you think about just like, just not talk about the marathon then in America, might as well not. Yeah. Well. Okay. What about like the Oscars? This would be like a really apt comparison. Like, if you look at like the animated film category, you say anime. Animated. <laughs> Coco. The animated films, like at the Oscars, Coco, at the top, which was like this great, amazing movie, right? You guys saw Coco. God damn it. Oh, man. All right. Um, So first of all, (laughs) screw you. Um, But like Coco's this really good movie, right? And then um, Breadwinner, which was another one that's on Netflix. That's another really good animated film. It's not as good as Coco. But then there were all these like other shitty movies. But you can't just like nominate two. You have to get excited about other ones. So like Boss Baby was an Oscar nominated movie. And Ferdinand. I watched part of Boss Baby over the shoulder of a woman on an airplane recently. And you walked out? Um, <laughs> I, no, I was... So I, I I couldn't hear any of the audio, but I was intrigued. It looked pretty interesting. Have we all seen Boss Baby? Nope. Uh, nope. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. See? So you're but shitting like, on it, no. but you kind of know that it was yeah. a pretty good movie. No, it wasn't that good. <laughs> and what I'm saying is, is like... Just because, like, Coco exists doesn't mean you can't, like, be excited about Boss Baby getting a nomination thing, like, if you work for Boss Baby. Like, just because, uh, you know, people, like Kip saying, are running as fast as they are 
doesn't mean that like 212 is a shitty time. It's not like just because one person runs under, you know, 203, 203, it doesn't make mean that like every time beyond that's a shitty time. It just means, wow, that's like a much higher accomplishment, especially in marathoning with all the variables that go into it. I feel like I need to note that someone ran 210, 20 at Grandma's Marathon in 1980. That's crazy. Who was in it? Duluth in the summer? That's wild. <laughs> Gary Borkland? Borkland. Yeah, that guy. I don't want to. I don't know too much like, about him. Minnesota legend, I think, isn't he? <laughs> well, everyone's like Chicago, New York, Boston, 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 U.S. trials, London Marathon. <laughs> Grandma's marathon. <laughs> All right, so uh, I think we settled it. Two twelve is still very impressive. There's nothing to be upset about. It's just that we have to understand. There's people running fast. Yeah, and I get a like hobby. I feel like I need to know. I feel like I need to know the caller's marathon time before I can really settle yeah. on an answer. Yeah, yeah, man. I think he call, just came in like a little too hot, a little too frustrated. <laughs> Like, you know how they say that thing about, like, calling your ex-girlfriend, like, <laughs> like let off some steam before you, like, do it? Like, you're thinking about doing it. You should just kind of, like, kind of just let off some steam a little bit. Just don't send call. that email. Just, like, don't send the email. Just, like, if you're going to call in this angry, just, like, step back for a moment. <laughs> uh, uh, <clears throat> I appreciate that the caller noted that... Uh, there's runner these days taking Morton. So quick plug, uh, use promo code Sidious20 for 20% off uh, your order uh, on Morton. So visit Morton.com. That's M-A-U-R-T-E-N.com slash shop and use promo code Sidious20, C-I-T-I-U-S, 20 for 20% off your order. All right, next voicemail. They're at it again. It's those goddamn corporate... Yeah. I don't know. Spies? Is spies the word? That they're just infiltrating podcasts, plugging their product for free. What up? It's your boy, Young B-Bone, or you can call me Bradley, whichever you prefer. (laughs) You had to choose one pair of spikes to wear. What pair would you choose? And why? Why? He's got a very simple question. What's your favorite pair of spikes? I haven't worn spikes in so long. Um, what are the ones? The ones that I wore for a really long time. They were um, they were red. They were Nikes. They had a yellow swoosh, and they were like that's what I wore made in of college. Net. Yeah, they yeah. They were for steeple landings. Landings. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what they were. That's a bunch. It's a nice I ran a lot of PRs. Those were great. Nicole, what are your favorite spikes? Uh, well, I like the New Balance long distance one, the 5,000 meter. Uh, but in college. Contractually obligated to say. <laughs> well, uh, and, but I did run in the Ronald McDonald spikes in college for like everything. I would like get a new pair for track season and I would just wear them through cross country. Tom's? I've never had a pair of spikes and been like, I really like these. Did you just Usually. pull up the page on East Bay? <laughs> no, no, like I was very particular about my spikes, but they're... you were the kid that returned spikes every season, weren't you? Uh, no, I wasn't. Um, Aren't those a pair of spikes hanging on your wall behind you? <laughs> yeah, that's that's my first pair of spikes. Um, Nerd. I, 
I hated them. <laughs> they wouldn't let me return them. Uh, what are they? Some Adidas. Uh, oh, that's a better question. What was your first pair of spikes ever? Mine were, it was like a pair of Adidas because I was doing youth track and I was doing everything. Like before you get good, they just tell you to like do shit and you're just going to walk around with your spikes out on the concrete so you don't really get anything that nice. So I think my favorite pair of spikes um, is I got a pair of sprint spikes once. Um, and those were like really fun because they just put you way up on your toes. And um, <laughs> which is like way more fun than putting on distance spikes, which just feel like really thin flats. So I think sprint spikes, they were called super flies. Yeah. It was a Nike one. They were white. They were nice. I don't think I could find my original spike on the internet anymore. I had a pair of some ASICs spikes. I was a 200 meter sprinter. So I just remember they were super light and for some reason, I've just picked the lightest ones I could find, and those uh, those were it. I I, st- I think I still have them in my closet somewhere. Um, What's really I, sad is a lot of companies are not making spikes anymore, or they're at least not making like the entry level ones. So there's a lot of kids who like won't have their first pair of spikes. Like I don't think Brooks makes their entry levels anymore, or they l- least took them off for a bit. But it's because, like... I, was, I wasn't going to buy Spike. Like, I went to cross-country camp, and apparently, like, like, someone told me or, like, my parents were, like, she needs a pair of Spikes. And I was, like, no, I'm okay. It's going to be fine. But it's not how it went. Oh, my God. I just found a pair of them. What are they? For, for $18. They're Nike Zoom Waffle X Barman cross-country track Spikes. They had this, like, iridescent like upper that went over some like red underneath and the spike plate was like individual mm-hmm. or the spikes were individual. There wasn't a plate. And so I ran like most of the season with one of the, <laughs> ran most of the season with one of the spikes, like turned inward that dug into my foot. What were your first pair of spikes, Ryan? My first pair of spikes were, it was a pair of new balance, like sprint, sprint spikes. The only thing I remember about them is uh, I bought them because the colors colorway of the spike was were the same colors as my school colors and so 13 year old me thought that was super dope um have you noticed like our answers for like our spikes seem to be like a little more general but like nowadays kids buy like a 180 dollar pair of nike spikes to run 510 in the mile well, that's what I feel a little bit bad because I think he was hoping that we were going to have like a, a, a sneakerhead discussion about spikes, but I just don't give a shit. I'm not sure he knows how old some of us are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to like a really old pair of waffles. <laughs> the Asics Onitsuka Tigers? <laughs> you know the ones Roger Bannister had? Yeah, those. <laughs> I just put a couple of nails through the sole of a Nike Monarchs. Um, <laughs> Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen like the really old track spikes though, like up close and personal? Yes. They suck. <laughs> I I don't know how people <laughs> ran as fast in those because they were just a little more tough back then, Chris. <laughs> people were running. It was all they knew. Nine in the in the marathon back in the seventies. Yeah. They didn't freak out. With, with the they didn't think two twelve was good enough. With nails through them, in cotton shirts. Yeah. 
How'd you guys feel about uh, his nickname being uh, Young B-Bone? Uh, or you can call him Bradley. I feel like this guy's got to be a recurring caller. Young, young B-Bone, call in every week with another question. We'll answer it every time. We'll put you right through. Um, the B stands for Bone. <laughs> bone Bone. Or Bradley. All right, next I like question. I he doesn't even call himself Brad. He calls himself Bradley. A little more refined. He might be older than we are. I'm Bebone Bradley. All right, I guess people think we're sneakerheads because here's another question. All right, I got a question for you guys. If you had to choose between two shoes, you'd have to run in forever. Option A, the Hoka 115 D2. Basically a brick of a shoe. Second option, you have to run in the Vibram Lightyear. What would you pick? I couldn't hear a word of, he, of what he said right, in the second it. half. The way it trans- the Hoka's, Hoka's are vibrant. So it's a Hoka, it's a Hoka Bondi 2? Yeah. Um, which he called a brick of a shoe. Or he probably just found like the biggest fingers. Hoka you could find. Yeah. It's like, would you rather die from fire or ice? <laughs> would you rather have to watch Ferdinand or Boss Baby? Boss Baby. Ferngully. Sorry. Would you rather run 214 or... All right, all right, Tom. Here's the thing. Here's what you're going to do. You are going to basically um, proctor a BuzzFeed-style quiz for me and Nicole. So you're going to ask <laughs> us a series of questions, and then you're going to say the results are you are going to run in a Hoka or a Vibram for the rest of your life. Okay. Um, Make it giving, quick, though. Am I giving you both the same answer, or am I going to have to split this off? Oh, no, um, never mind. I have an algorithm. I have an algorithm in my head. So okay. don't even worry about it. I'm really good at this. Okay. Um, who was your favorite Rugrat twin, uh, Phil or Lil? Which one was the girl? Lil? Yeah. I liked her voice better. She right, had a... she, yeah, Lil. She was a dotted line girl. That was her superhero power. Okay. Uh, would you rather use a rolling pin or a tennis ball for your sore muscles? Rolling pin. Ooh, tennis ball. I've been using tennis ball a lot lately. Okay, definitely. Uh, who who's the bigger asshole, uh, Wiley Coyote or the Roadrunner? I don't think the the the, the Coyote's the asshole at all. Like, are you saying that he wouldn't be an asshole if he just let the the Roadrunner kill him? I don't or, know. I mean, I'm sorry. The other way around. Wait, you're saying that like the Coyote? So okay, so the Coyote got. He wanted to kill, but the Roadrunner got off on... Oh, Lance is the Roadrunner. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so the, the Roadrunner is a showboat. You're, yes. Well, you're, supposed to, you're supposed to think the, the coyote, you're supposed to say that he is the asshole, but yeah. it's really he's the really kind of a bumbly idiot. And... As with most BuzzFeed quizzes, there's the answer you should pick. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> do you like a lot of cushion or not a lot of cushion in your running shoes? <laughs> not a lot of cushion yeah I guess a lot of cushion oh okay so Ryan you got the uh, Hoka and Nicole you got the five, five fingers <laughs> I guess it leaves me the option to become a barefoot runner you could take the quiz again later to find out you know what else you could have gotten hey if cool. I were taking it in college I would have had a different answer Yeah. did the original Hoka suck I don't really remember wasn't it like I four years it, ago I I, I do like have a small part of me that doesn't like the current ones. 
I heard of all the Clifton's, the first one's the best one. Oh, fuck that person. Whoever told you that, fuck that person. <laughs> Chris did it himself. Why do you have to be like... It was his own opinion. Why do there have to be like <laughs> hipster fans of like a weird shoe? I don't think you can call it a weird shoe anymore. I think they used to be a weird shoe. When did it become not weird, you think, Sterner? Um, I honestly think when they started pumping money into the sport. Like when they started... When they turned it into the elite team that they have and started sponsoring athletes, I think people were kind of like, all right, well, we're not going to shit on this product anymore because they're doing some pretty cool things with their athletes. Well, they sponsor NYNJ now. Done. Oh, yeah, exactly. And so there's that. You get, yeah, you get some athletes on board, some that are pretty prolific on Twitter. People, it it normalizes. (laughs) um, And like, I don't know. It's worked on me. I wouldn't hesitate. Like if you handed me a free pair of Hoka's, I, I wouldn't be like, get these away from me. I, I would probably wear them and I'd be fine with it. Have you run in Hoka's? Uh, I got, a, a, actually, I have a pair of Hoka track spikes in my closet that some PR woman <laughs> gave to me. Um, haven't ran in them though. A so PR no, the answer is no. A PR professional. A PR professional. For long runs? Yeah, exactly. Gave spikes to you, the guy who says he doesn't wear track spikes. There's a lot of holes in your story here, Ryan. <laughs> I haven't worn them. I, I don't haven't ran in a liar, but they still have the the, and, the test tag on them. And now Should Bradley B is like on pins and needles because he thinks those could have been your favorite spikes if you would have <laughs> tested them out a week ago. Bradley would have had a better answer. Come on, Ryan. Sorry, B Bone. <laughs> yeah. You didn't read the article before the podcast. You didn't put the spikes on. Suddenly, you know PR professionals, and you're not even considering how you know them. <laughs> Just that rock and roll, that rock and roll lifestyle that I live. You know, it's called improv, baby. Mm. Yes, and a little bit of yes, and ooh, Nicole's a fan of the craft. Read Tina Fey's book. Uh, Wrote the rules. A little crow. A little no. crow. Do you know that one? Nope. I'll leave you hanging on that. Oh. What is it? Character, relationship, objective, and where? Is that? I don't, I don't know. All right. Next, next question. question. <laughs> last, last voicemail, then we'll get into a couple text messages that were sent in. Um, here we go. My question for the podcast is uh, what professional track and field athlete would be most likely to win the Hunger Games. Uh, so, any event uh, thanks. What professional athlete would be most likely to win the Hunger Games? So, an all-out Royale. Uh, this is, it seems like it seems like there's a lot, there are a lot of athletes in track and field. Do we want to limit this to just one training group? No, I think we could do all of them. All right, go for it. There is like a weird dystopian future aspect to USA championships, right? <laughs> like a bunch of poor people battling for like... Marginal amounts of a money. marginal amount of money. <laughs> literally survival. They're, yeah. they're battling for literal survival. For money like, to put food on the table. It's like the... the um, there's a sense of pride and accomplishment that comes from winning yeah. USA's. 
Oh. <laughs> Nicole is so silent. <laughs> is that yeah. how you felt? Did you feel like, I don't know, Tom's, what did you say? Well, I was just thinking like Cap's Corner at Hayward Field, like where all the Nike execs and like higher ups are. Or just like, watching, like up there getting drunk and just like clapping a little <laughs> bit as like athletes dedicate their entire lives to get like the amount of money that some of them take home in like a day. I mean, luckily I won like after they bumped up the prize money. <laughs> <laughs> I think that professional running to a certain level is gross because it's probably like the purest form of competition and everything like that. But it's just like, there is that hunger games level to it. All right. Mo- moving on to some text messages that were sent in. Uh, so the first one is they sent in, it's from a 614 area code. I won't give away these, uh, these numbers. So 614. Hi, this is a question for the podcast. Is canned spaghetti sufficient pre-race carbo loading or just lukewarm noodly trash? Why does it have to be one or the other? As opposed to like actual spaghetti? Or just you don't eat? Um, this question's weird for me because that's one of my nicknames for uh, Ryan. Canned spaghetti or trash? <laughs> Lukewarm noodly <laughs> trash. So does, it, does he mean Chef Boyardee or does he mean something different? SpaghettiOs. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming it's like Chef Boyardee. Could you, could you run a good race the next day on just a can of Chef Boyardee? One can, a single I mean, one. I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Like, what is it with all these fucking, this fancy dog mentality that you need to not smoke pot, get good <laughs> sleep, and eat a good meal the night before a race? Like, I've I've done some pretty what I would consider impressive things like being hungover or not eating that much. It's just like, you don't think about it. So you ate two cans of chef Boyardee the night before a race. Like, I'm sure I've had a burger the night before a race. Yeah. Counterpoint. Do you hear people in other countries talk about eating SpaghettiOs or chef Boyardee? No one talks about that anymore in general. But do you think, like, the fact that Chef Boyardee and SpaghettiOs only really exist in the U.S. is the reason why we have a bunch of 212 and 214 marathoners? Andrew Bumbleow, you get off the (laughs) Chef Boyardee, you're going to hit 209, my friend. I I actually don't think it's, like, what you eat the night before the race makes that big of a deal as long as it's not something that's going to upset your stomach. Um, Well, that's what, like, one of my teammates in high school would drink, like, three Mountain Dews a day. But I don't think... My coach was like, I'm not going to make him stop because he's running really well. <laughs> and if that's what he eats and likes to drink, then I'm not going to make him stop. I don't think this is actually a question asking whether or not it's sufficient pre-race carbo-loading. It's whether or not we like the taste of it. Because he just wants to know, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not like a question of, is it good pre-carbo-loading, yes or no? It's, is it good carbo-loading or the other end of the spectrum, is it just lukewarm, noodly trash? Now that we've established that it's okay to eat whatever you want, are SpaghettiOs and Chef Boyardee good? Um, I haven't had them since I was a young child because one time they made me throw up or like I was sick and I ate Chef Boyardee and then threw up very shortly after. So now I associate <laughs> Chef Boyardee with vomiting. Mm-hmm. 
With that being said, I have nothing against Chef Boyardee or SpaghettiOs. Okay. I just I just looked up Chef Boyardee spaghetti and meatballs can, and it actually has nine grams of protein, eight hundred milligrams of sodium. Oh my god! Thirty-one carbs, eleven grams of fat. That's, yeah, that's fine-ish. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, fine-ish. I think is the determined. Yeah, fine-ish. Eight percent iron. Yeah, eight percent iron. You're good. <laughs> oh, man. Probably good. Yeah. They should have cans of that in the fridge of every <laughs> women's like cross-country house. Just <laughs> so you to need their, to eat this after, after your race. Next to the liquid iron, there's just a can of <laughs> ravioli. <laughs> but also All on right. the ship where you side, it says spaghetti and meatballs can. Like, that's the name of, of it. <laughs> All right. Next text message. Uh, so, I guess... This person sounds like they really need some serious advice. And it's just like, I, you guys can take this in any direction you guys want. Um, they want to know, it's a 573 area code. Don't know where that is. Uh, what are good ways to stay confident and motivated in a race when it gets physically and mentally tough? So, Ryan, what do you tell yourself in those moments of a race? Um, you know, it's kind of just... I mean, I suppose uh, this is, a, I don't know. Um, I think it's, it's different for <laughs> Never everybody. Never figured I think, it out. Yeah. Uh, something that's kind of worked for me, honestly, like the last time that I've, it's been so long since I've raced, but I, you know, like if it's on the roads and it's a little bit longer, I mean, you can kind of set small goals for yourself. Um, like make it to that tree, make it to that stop sign, like make it to this mile marker. And if you kind of, you know, kind of looking for little accomplishments to keep your confidence up, I think. Um, that's, that's, I guess that's really the only advice. I don't know. I guess struggling with confidence really wasn't something that I ever had too big of an issue with. Not, not because I had a lot of it, because I just never really, and this might speak volumes about what I really did with running, but like, I just never thought about winning or performing too much <laughs> um and because of that I mean I didn't really do too much winning but I never really put too much pressure on myself so I don't, I don't know if that's it kind of goes hand in hand but I think probably the people that are more successful definitely put that kind of pressure on themselves and can probably find a way to deal with that a little bit better um no but that's I, a good I'm, point Good point. I'm probably a terrible person to ask because, yeah, I was just like, I had moderate success for what I did, but I just never, I, I never really thought about the accomplishment. It was just kind of going out there and doing it. And yeah, if things get hard, you know, on the track, make it to that turn, you know, catch this person. It's just like making small, small goals was, yeah, the only thing that I really ever had. You made a really good point. If you're not good at running, there's no pressure on you to perform well. So, like, it's mentally tough. But if you know that you suck at running, why are you concerned about it? Like, no one's going to be surprised if you ran poorly, especially yourself. So just don't be good at running, and you shouldn't have those issues with confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's probably 10 times shittier to be someone who can run, like, a 204 marathon and then you drop out of a marathon than it is to be someone who like is really bad and never run a marathon before their life and you drop out. 
Like one of those people's probably okay with it. Just don't be good at running <laughs> and like don't set expectations for yourself. Don't try yeah. hard so in keep anything. Keep the bar low. So here's, yeah, keep the bar low, folks. Like, don't try. I don't think that's what I was saying at all. Don't try hard at anything at any time for any reason to anyone for anything. Or Does that make sense? Don't care. Just don't care about things. Yeah. 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 See, so that's what I meant. Thank you, Tom's. <laughs> Nicole, what do you tell yourself? <laughs> um, tell myself. Okay, so let's be real. This happens before you race. You practice at practice. And then you think of fun things and you visualize those. I don't know. I have a hard time giving a serious answer on this. Because a way more serious answer than your guys. <laughs> no, go for it. This, they, uh, this person is probably looking for a very serious <laughs> answer. answer. Uh, I mean, mostly practice what you want to do in a race in practice. Like, if you want to finish strong, then finish workouts strong. Like, consider that during a workout. If you can't consider it during a workout in practice, you definitely aren't going to, probably aren't going to consider it in a race when you're having a hard time. <clears throat> um, and you have to be really open to things going well, so you have to keep giving yourself a chance. Uh physically tough pra like practice train i don't know but also then again if you don't uh, practice hard you'll <laughs> never have to deal with this <laughs> i mean again just like i think you're agreeing with me here too <laughs> like just suck at running and then it's not a problem i, I, I like Nicole, Chris, i liked one of the things that you said about like the openness to to winning or like openness to success which is kind of a silly thing. Like, oh, I want to be open to being good. Um, but I think that's definitely something that I've been, I've thought about a lot is just kind of like that. I don't know if like a, a winning mentality is the, the kind of word for it, but like, it is kind of strange. Like that idea of being open to success is, I think it's key, but it's something that people don't really think about a lot. Yeah, I definitely have some races where, I wasn't even open to winning because I hadn't thought that far ahead and I got second and was like, you know, if I considered winning, I'm, I might've won. Maybe mm -hmm. you never know, but like, but you also might've been disappointed. So, well, to that, to that story, one of the best performances I had at big tens in the cross country was I had a really, uh, bad, I was just kind of running subpar for, for myself all season. And the week or two before Big Tens, I was like, why do I think I'm why, – why haven't I been performing? And I was like, well, I think if I just don't perform well, then I get to control that performance. But if I care, if I care, then I might be disappointed. Mm -hmm. I might come up short. Mm -hmm. And so over that week, I was like, well, you know, how about I just consider doing well? How about I be open mm -hmm. to doing well? Yeah. And then I did really well, and it was really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I yeah, know. I, I, again, I think and we I are all... I ran my fastest time ever. Yeah, I think we're all And then all I won the next yeah. year. Yeah, we're speaking the same language here. I don't know why you're so hesitant to this. Um, it's really hard to be disappointed. Losing sucks. Um, but it's hard to be disappointed if you don't expect anything. 
Is that really what you're going with? Like, that's your whole thing. So I agree with that. The whole thing, but I, I like what Nicole says, though. It's just like... Yeah. Yeah. Low expectations are nice, I suppose, if that's what Tom's getting at, if he just wants to destroy this very nice message that we're There's giving to this person. There's two types of people in the world. Yeah. We're, oh, I'm not disagreeing. But, we're saying the same thing. So, okay, tomato, so tomato, boss baby Ferdinand. That's kind of about, like, the winning mentality, but I, I guess, like, kind of, like, physically... Also, I, I like what Nicole, this is like practice. Like you, you get through the, the physical pain of, of a race by, I don't know, trusting set, the work that like, you've done. Set intentions. And it's a different thing than setting expectations. Setting intentions are less upsetting. What do you mean by that? Because like if you have an expectation, you like expect to do that. Like, yeah. I expect to perform this well. But if you set an intention, like you put the work in and you, you intend to do that, it leaves, it leaves room for error without like a huge amount of like shame or guilt. Like I intended to do this, but I fell short and that's okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, I kind of like that. It's, it's choosing your words. It's basically that's the same a lot thing, of, but like it's a, a little of, bit. Yeah. Well, that's a, I, I think there, there is a really big, I mean, obviously, there's a really big mental game that, I I don't know, feels like it can be neglected every once in a while. Um, but I, I heard this, this, there's something that, um, this is super lame, but I was, I was, there was like a, <laughs> there was like a post-game interview one time, I think it was like Russell Westbrook after the playoffs or something like that, or it was like after a back-to-back, and somebody asked him, like, are you guys tired? And he looked the reporter right in the face, and he was like, I don't get tired getting tired is a choice. And I remember hearing that and being like, that's fucking insane. Like that's, I mean, but it kind of speaks to the way that he plays. And I also think that that's probably something that can be applied at least a little bit, obviously like to the mental aspect of, of when running gets hard is you can kind of choose to be like, Oh, well this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. But I think the more that you practice, the more that you run, the longer that you've been doing it, the more that you understand how to fight through that and how, yeah, you can kind of decide to a degree whether or not that you want to give up. I don't know. It sounds pretty corny, I guess, but that's kind of, what do you think, Tom's? I agree with you entirely. And I think you agree with me. So I think we're ready for the next one. So that was some great advice that you guys just gave. Um, You're welcome. And now we're you, going to last one. Yeah, I totally was. <laughs> uh, we got two more. Um, this one totally flips the switch on how serious you guys were because they decided to bring up uh, poop. Pooping. Okay, so this is going to be hard for me. This one comes to us from a 402 area code in Nebraska. Okay. They said, howdy, partner. Got a running question for y'all. Uh, why are some very unfortunate, totally innocent, and completely undeserving people forced to face the wrath of poop cramps during speed work? Got any advice on this subject for a poor college kid just trying <laughs> not to shit his or her pants in front of his or her peers? Asking for a friend. A couple minutes later, they sent a second text message that said, Also, if I mess up this number and I'm not texting those responsible for the City Smack podcast, dear God, I am so sorry. Please disagard this text, but if you have any advice on the matter, I'm open to anything. Well, so, you need to reply. Uh, what should I reply, Tom's? What's Sidious Mag podcast? Sounds really good. 
<laughs> Open up a dialogue. See how big of a fan he is. See if he sells like sells you on the podcast. Um, so he's Tell talking about when you're doing stop. speed work and kind of like he calls it poop cramps. That's a poop um, cramp. You mean just like the feeling that you have to poop? Is that the cramp you get when you have to poop, but you don't? I think that's what they're talking about. Unless they're talking about the the booty lock that you have that you get during speed work, but that's totally different. (laughs) Yeah, when I have to poop, I don't feel it in my butt. Um, Sometimes, if it's close enough to coming out, that's true. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I think that I I digress. I think that he what he's thinking is like gastrointestinal distress, like gastrointestinal distress where like you just kind of like your stomach goes liquid is it that kind of thing like have you ever felt that like i don't know i would always feel like my stomach just felt like it had melted and i was gonna poop it out i have never pooped so i can't really add to this conversation that's a good point ever ever right never ever no no okay so i've never well this is really gross you know how like sometimes you eat a really satisfying meal and you just can't wait to yes. poop it out? No. And just think about that satisfying meal leaving your body, but through your butt. That's what pooping is. Oh. I guess I've never really thought about it like that before. Were you explaining because really, I don't know? It's an abstract concept. Um, but so how do you prevent your stomach from getting upset during speed work? By I think eating that's what on a schedule. I mean, he's he or she is from Nebraska, so I don't know. Cut back on the dairy, um, the corn, the corn, Eat all those on things. A schedule. Yeah, that's true. Just do what Nicole says. She's the professional. Eat. She knows. It practice, that practice, but you practice. Oh, just schedule. Like dick to Eat that schedule. schedule. Just, just don't eat your canned spaghetti like three and a half to four hours before practice. Just because it's a schedule doesn't mean it's a good schedule. Yeah, but if you get the poop flow schedule right, you can go in between the workouts. What about like just going on fiber to ensure that poop scheduling is right? I don't think uh, that's how you ensure a schedule. Like to be more regular. But being right, yeah, that's what she's implying, I think, with the schedule. But I'm saying like you add fiber, so that way it's kind of like... Schedule the fiber regularly. Like you just, <laughs> like, I feel like fiber, you poop less... Like in Unless, terms of less, I think there's a tipping point. It's it's you, less you, times more quantity. It's more efficient. Yeah, I think uh, you need to get right with your body, son. You need mm-hmm. to uh, you need to figure out your diet. I don't know how old you are if you're in high school or college or whatever, but you college. probably know what time you're practicing or working out, and uh, you should you should. Ugh, you need to do some Step reflecting. I think. Yeah. yeah exactly. I know it's college and there's like a lot of food around or whatever. Yeah. You're doing something wrong. Do you think it's the dorm food? The dorm food was great. I had a lot of fun eating dorm food. (laughs) Wait, you went to a school though that has a cafeteria named after a cannibal, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, that's a fun trivia fact. Did you go on the tour? Like why why do you know that? I feel it's something very specific. Uh, it's not, that's not like one of the ones that you can eat at as a, like with a meal plan though. You have to buy food from there. Which cannibal? His name is Alfred Packard. So everyone, 
Remind, remind everyone where you went. You went to Colorado, right? The University of Colorado at Boulder, or as we like to call it, the Harvard of the Rockies. Proud alum. Are you, you know, we're going to work on, <laughs> what we're going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, add you to the famous alum section and just see how long it holds up. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Please, on Wikipedia. Any That'd be great. Um, and then if anyone who listens to this podcast sees it taken down, put it back up. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and send us a screenshot. We'll send, send you a t-shirt. Yes, 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, Final so let's text. Get, yeah, Final let's, text. Let's, let's get this. Final text message. Today at practice, our team got in a heated debate on whether you should count a record for distance if you break it in a longer race. We had a girl technically break the school record for the 5,000. She ran 1736 in her 10,000 uh, when she ran 3502. Uh, should her 5,000 split be counted as the 5,000 school record, or does she have to do it in a 5,000-meter race? Your thoughts, Ryan? You're, you're nodding your head emphatically. Yeah, I don't know. Record's a record. She, uh, she ran 5K faster than the school record? I mean, it just seems... In my mind, it seems logical. Don't they have those, though? Like, isn't that how they do it, too? Like, in the actual, like, USATF record book, aren't there some things that say, like, en route? No. Like, for the mile, it didn't. What's-his-face? No. Break. Not, not, not on the track. They do it in roads. At least, yeah. or the IAAF does it in roads, because I know, like, when the half-marathon world record was set, they also had, like, oh, well, she... He also set the you know fifteen uh, k ten uh, k world record, but on yeah. the track, I feel it's 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 you have to run the yeah, okay. distance. So that's the thing. Uh, so that's I like on the roads. I feel like en route's fine. On the track, though, absolutely not. No, I don't. I I I don't think it should because like one, that's just like a bad record if it got broken as a on route in another race like this. I'm sorry. Like, and it's not a bad, it's not a knock on everyone else who's been there, but like this girl should just do it again. So uh, she should have expectations that she could achieve the similar thing. Well, again. she broke a record. Nice. So she's good nice. at running. Fuck she's you, good at honest. running. She's good at running. <laughs> so the advice doesn't apply to her, Nicole. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Sitting up there in your ivory tower where you're good at running. It's easy to set expectations, but down here on the ground where it's dirty and you're here among the common folk, we can't have expectations. All right. I'm so sure. You're ready cut out. Uh, down here on the ground, we don't have expectations as the normal can, people. Could you start over? I'm not going to. I'm just going to say Ready Player One probably addresses a lot of these things because, like, <laughs> it spoke to me on this matter. She's a good runner. She's obviously a good runner if she's setting a school record. Um, and so, like, it, yeah, she should have an expectation to be able to break that 5K record if she already did it midway through. <laughs> Can we compare this? Well, no, I guess it's not the same. Maybe it is. When uh, Emma Coburn, no, when Emma Coburn ran that American record, but she didn't get drug tested, so it didn't count. She still ran it though. I mean, that's so dumb. I think it's different though, Um, because that's just someone fucking up after. That's not like the athlete's fault. Yeah, but she still ran that time, just like the girl on the track did. Yeah, but. It, isn't the term if something's not like commonly run or something like that that it's a best and not a record? Well, I like believe Ryan Hall's I believe that's true. Four. 
like, no, like no, there's no, no, no actual meter record like like a 300 is a or a 600 is a world best and then like 800 1500 which are more often run are records yeah so i could see there being an argument where it's like this 5k time would be like the school's best but it's not the school record especially because if anyone ever went to look up and like check that time they wouldn't be able to find it like they weren't there taking splits yeah, um, I agree with that. I think that's only that seems fair. It's the only fair way to do it. And like honestly, this girl's talented enough to break the record. She should go back and do it. I don't know why there's a heated argument at practice. <laughs> I think that there shouldn't be much of an argument because she'll probably run it all out on the track anyways. But also, like, who is upset about this to have an argument at practice about it? Maybe the <laughs> former record holder is still enrolled. Just being you can't sh- have my record. That's just being a shitty teammate, though. Like, everyone's really excited about your teammate, and you're like, no, I want to have an argument about this at practice. A really heated argument. Nothing like fostering a toxic team environment to ensure competition among your athletes. I just feel like there are really good arguments that you can have that, like, end up being personal. Like, at practice, like, you could start off arguing... Uh, like the office, like who should Jim have gone with uh, sort of thing. And like that one can end up being personal, but like you should never have an argument at practice that starts personal. Like all this is, is like whether or not you like this person (laughs) is the way that goes. (laughs) Or whether or not you have confidence in her to break it again. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, expectations and everything. Wait, can someone who can do math, can they do it? Can, can you guys say what her split was for the second half of that race? It actually looks like, so she said that 1736 was the first 5K and her 10K ended up being 3502. Her second 5K was actually faster, wasn't it? <laughs> Not sure. That's why I'm asking. Wait, yeah. Sometimes well, this is why I do good in races. Yeah, I can't no, her math. second 5K was faster. Seventeen twenty-five. Yeah, somewhere around there. So, if anything, she broke the school record twice. Why is that an argument? (laughs) (laughs) Probably some people just like being rude. She should just keep running 10Ks and just like knock out the entire top 10 list. It's just like her (laughs) on route, back and forth. And then just show up to practice and just flex on everybody. Just give them all the finger to everyone who didn't believe in her. What school is this? Uh, let's see. It was a... Um, 785 area code, which is... Drum roll, please. The Kansas City metropolitan area. So it might be a runner at Mizzou, Missouri State. I don't know. Uh, University of Missouri, Kansas City, which is the... Kangaroo Jacks, I think, is their mascot. Kangaroos. I don't know. They might just be where this person is from. They could be. <laughs> no one yeah. goes to college where they grew up. You're right. Didn't everyone um, get like a cell phone in the new area code where they went to? No. <laughs> so last thing, real quick. Uh, so I managed to check 
text back the uh, the person who sent in and apologized. And I said, what's the Sidious Mag podcast? Sounds very good because Tom's recommended that. They said, oh, nothing too fancy. Just a three-way blend of all my favorite things. Running things consideration running weird running considerations that keep me up at night chats with running gurus and occasional conversations about food you should definitely check it out <laughs> you should you should I, update the description okay. you're gonna all right all right so here's the next step say sounds great will do and then you're not gonna text him for a while <laughs> and then like no that they're no, gonna no, find no, no. out on this podcast, it's a test. They're, they have to listen this far in to know that we no. were the ones who responded. We're not going to release this for a few days. So you got time, but like two days right. from now. Oh, that's right. At like two in the morning, just text him back and go, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'm really lonely. <laughs> I think that turns into a Me Too moment. Oh, my God. Um... All right, so to wrap it up, Tom's, what did you learn on today's episode? Um, I learned that there are a lot of different love languages. Um, you know, some people it's um, physical action, some people it's gifts, some people it's vocal. Um, and really what it comes down to at the end of the day is just like listening to your partner, having open, honest discussions. And, you know, if you're not in a relationship where your love language isn't getting met um, and you feel like you're not being heard, but also you're not being allowed to speak your love language, um, it's okay to move on and it's okay to find someone that's going to work for you. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, it's really tough. Summer's coming up and everyone's thinking about getting into a relationship, things like that. You don't have to hop in with the right person or wrong person. Just be happy, have fun. You're young, (laughs) you know, and like, maybe that's a fun date idea. Like you just, you go to a bar and instead of your pickup line being about ducks and horses, you go up and say, Hey, baby, what did you rate running things considered on iTunes? And if she says, I don't know what you're talking about, she's not for you. If she says, did you say all things considered the NPR show? I don't think they have a podcast. She might be the one for you. But if she says, oh, fuck yeah, I rated it five stars and then I unrated it and then I rated it five stars again and then I subscribed and unsubscribed a whole bunch of times to get their uh, subscriber number up. You put a ring on that finger, My unless God. she doesn't speak All your right. love language. That's what I learned. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I had to say it. Um, all right. So that does it for episode three of Running Things Considered. If you have a pressing question on your mind about running, it could be anything, uh, call us. It's 646-780-9218. You can shoot us a text message, and uh, we'll answer it on the show. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks for another episode. So be sure to subscribe on iTunes, leave a five-star review and uh, continue to spread the good word of SidiousMag.com.